Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 18 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. My name is Nolan Cole. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba, our focus is on supporting and planning sport programs to promote the development of vibrant citizens, athletes, and communities in Manitoba. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building. We're also home to the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, which is connected to this episode. All of our previous episodes are available on all the podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give those a listen if you have not already. Before we get on with this episode, we want to emphasize that we followed all public health and social distancing guidelines in producing this podcast episode. As you may know, our province just turned 150 years old, and to celebrate the occasion, Sport Manitoba is involved in an exciting book project that captures the rich sport heritage in Manitoba. That's the topic of this episode, right after a quick look at some of our messaging and campaigns. Sport Manitoba wants to recognize all of the frontline workers, first responders, and volunteers who are helping to keep us safe during this public health crisis. On behalf of the entire amateur sport community in Manitoba, thank you for all that you do. Millions of teeth are lost or traumatized annually during sporting activities. Custom mouth guards are recommended by the Manitoba Dental Association as the best way to protect the teeth and prevent injuries to the soft tissue of the mouth as well as the head, jaw, and back. Visit your local dental office to learn more or get fitted for your custom mouth guard. Talk to your dentist. Good for you. Good for life. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. Iconic stories from 150 years of sport in Manitoba. That's the title of the book written by Sean Grassy, a former Canadian mixed curling champion from Winnipeg. The book includes the top 150 sports stories from our province's history, and with all of our success in sport, the final list of stories that made it into the book was not an easy thing to produce. The story selection panel consisted of five people, including Judy Owen of the Manitoba Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association. She's covered sports in the province for more than three decades, and our sport heritage manager, Rick Brownlee, who runs the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Sean and Judy were willing to sit down and discuss the project, so we have two perspectives for you, one from the author of the book and one who selected the stories. The book will be published later this summer. All proceeds will go to Kidsport Manitoba. Here's my conversation with Sean and Judy. Sean, Judy, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Sean, we'll start with you. The second book you've written, I know you right. wrote uh, Kings of the Rings on the MCA yeah, bonds, right. Bondspiel, I think when you were a student. Mm -hmm. um, but how'd you come up with the idea, the concept for this book? Yeah, I thought it would be timely. I was sort of looking for another writing project. And with Manitoba turning 150 uh, years this year, I thought it'd be timely. Uh, there's been a lot of sports history books related to maybe Manitoba athletes or teams, but no book that sort of brought all these different stories together. They can read about the Blue Bombers or the Jets, but also about amateur athletes, maybe some athletes that the general public hasn't heard a lot of. We've had, you know, world champions in racquetball and handball and uh, Olympic medalists in judo. So maybe sort of bring to light some other stories that 
you know, the public isn't as familiar with. And uh, sort of the concept of 150 stories was to tie into the 150th anniversary of Manitoba. So, yeah, I had the idea originally, then I pitched it to uh, Sport Manitoba. And, uh, yeah, they came on board with it. We put together a panel, and uh, now it's a challenging part, too, trying to decide which of these 150 stories, because I mean, there's so many good ones that we weren't able to fit in, of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, how long has it been in the works, total? Do you know? Yeah, about a year. Um, I started working on it probably last February or so. So, yeah, it took me probably a little bit over a year to write it. Uh, and then it's been, you know, a couple of months editing and design, of course. And yeah. You mentioned the story selection panel. So, Judy, five people, including both of you, um, and Rick Brownlee, our Hall of Fame manager as well, was on that panel. So, Judy, take me through the process of trying to come up with the top 150 stories. I mean, where, where did you guys begin? Well, Sean kind of had a list going, and, and also Rick uh, and Evan Andrews. Yep. So when Jim Bender, Terry Fry, and I got involved, just because we're part of the Manitoba Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association, we had given awards out to so many athletes for decades. And then we kind of came to agreement to which ones were, were naturals. Your Cindy Clausen, uh, John Montgomery, Bomber, Grey Cups. And then we wanted to try to also include... Um, athletes are teams that achieved a lot in their sport, but maybe their sport wasn't the NHL or something high profile. So we tried to uh, narrow it down that way to, sh to show the diversity of uh, sport, amateur and uh, pro. So it, it sounds like it was a lot based on diversity across multiple sports. Was there any other like particular criteria you used that the stories had to fall under, would you say? Um, no specific criteria. So it basically started, I proposed a list. Um, I probably had about 200 stories on my list. I went through the Hall of Fame website. I've just been over 500 inductees to the Mount Sports Hall of Fame. So basically I went online through all the profiles and came up with a, a big list and narrowed it down to about 150. And then Rick Brownlee also had a big list. So initially we kind of just combined our two lists and then we had uh, one meeting with the panel and decided sort of the remainder of the stories. I think we left about 10 stories open that we could fill in later. And then we met a second time to fill those in. There's also an opportunity for the public to uh, offer suggestions, submissions, which they did through the uh, Sport Manitoba website. So I think a couple of those um, did make the list, uh, or we definitely discussed them and considered many of those stories. Um, yeah, I mean, there was no specific criteria. Like, we wanted to have sort of... Uh, iconic or impactful stories and stories that you know did sort of may leave a legacy within the person's sport or um, you know that made big news within Manitoba at that time and, and with a, a wide range of sports too yeah. we want to try to include as many sports as possible so yeah there were some hard decisions a lot of top athletes uh, never left off of course because there's only so much space yeah yeah so, Judy, take me inside one of these story panel meetings. Like, how did it work? Was there a lot of disagreements? Any arguing, anything like that? Or how did you guys kind of tackle this as a unit? Well, I think when we were going through the list, we sort of could agree on some right off the bat. And then when we were considering some names, people would add in, you know, their knowledge about it. And we'd kind of debate it f for a little bit. And then, you know, especially... I mean, just consider some of the NHL players from this province. I, yep. How do you include all of them? 
right? So we kind of discussed what was their, you know, achievement, their defining achievement, and then we just kind of had some discussion, but we pretty, we pretty well agreed. Yeah, so sort of the idea was to capture the iconic moment, but then it, a lot of the stories did that also turn out to be, you know, sort of stories on their entire career. It's hard to isolate that one moment. So there is a year attached to every story in the book, sort of signify maybe that one big achievement or impactful moment the athlete or team made. And that was sort of the idea to find 150 of those kind of moments. Um, but then it's hard to talk about those moments in isolation without getting into their entire career. So yeah. a lot of these stories are do you know, provide you know, summaries of an athlete's career from how they started growing up playing their sport in Winnipeg and going on to you know, be a top athlete within Canada. It goes back to the first chapters around Confederation time, right? 1800s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How, how tough was the research in some of these older stories? It's actually not very hard. Um, the information is there. Uh, luckily, the Winnipeg Tribune and Winnipeg Free Press, basically every published paper is online. So the Tribune is, is free there, the Free Press, you have to subscribe. But the Free Press is a really good search engine too. So you can type in an athlete's name, a year, a certain date you're looking for. And just go through all the articles. So that's what I would do. I type in the person's name and just sort of research their entire career, and then then from there just try to pick out you know the best stories, the most impactful moments. But but even in the early years, like the Free Press goes back to 1800s, and yeah. the Tribune was an old paper too. So and they covered sports very well. So you had no trouble finding information from any era. Plus, Sean did. Um, a lot of interviews with athletes who have, mm -hmm. you know, remarkable memories. So, yeah. you know, the sources he used, um, some are like the first person talking about their memories about it to the, the records and the free press. And, and you'll, when you go through some of the stories and it'll quote uh, a newspaper article, it's kind of funny to read the language that was used yeah. back then. <laughs> So it, it's a real fun read, a lot of them. And, and the one thing when Sean mentions that they, there is summaries of the person's career, one good thing he did is every story has a little interesting tidbit about that athlete, you know, even the most popular ones. So it's, it's, not, it's a record, it's educational, but you also get a little glimpse into their background or their personalities. So it's, it's a real variety. Yeah, I tried to add something new to every story. Um, like, like certain athletes, maybe like a Cindy Claus and Claire Hughes, a lot has been written about them or, you know, popular Jets or Bombers players. So, yeah, that was always my goal was to, even those stories that people know a lot about, if I can add, you know, a few new facts to each story, that sort of makes, you know, something new of it. I counted 13 curling stories in the book. Yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong, 13. Um, and you have a curling background, as I mentioned. Yeah. How enjoyable was it to put all of those together? Oh, those are the best stories. The, <laughs> actually, they were funny, also initially, the longest stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, initially, my, uh, my draft list initially, I actually left out a lot of curling. I only probably had maybe like seven or eight curling stories because I didn't want to have the okay. impression that I was yeah. going to load it up with <laughs> curling and I'm a curler. That sort of looked unfair. <laughs> But then as we discussed the score, you know, the stories, it be kind of became evident that there kind of needs to be a lot of curling. Like, yeah. There's been so many Canadian world champions. Manitoba's been considered like the hotbed of curling throughout the world. Yeah. So, yeah, there should be a lot of curling, and, uh, and, and there is. And 
And of course, written, you know, having done the curling book, I had a lot of that information already. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that's, that's the most enjoyable part of writing this is you kind of learn new things. Like even within my own sport, yeah. I learned so much about the history of curling. And then with these other sports, too, that I worked on for this book, which I may have had you know, some general knowledge of before. I mean, now once you kind of dig into the research, you learn so much more that you, know, you didn't know before. So it sounds like the rest of the panel allowed you to add more curling stories in after the initial draft. Yeah, well, everyone was in agreement. I think they probably you know that the panel members proposed some curling stories that yeah. I didn't have on my list originally. I think everyone recognized that it's been so important uh, to Manitoba culture and the excellence of Manitoba curlers really stands out, so it had to be included. Yeah. Was the, the 13, was that more than any other sport? I didn't do an official count, but I imagine it would have been. Oh, hockey. Well, hockey <laughs> by right, far. Eh? Hockey, yeah. It was hockey the most, eh? Hockey's the most. Yeah. Um, but again, there's been so many notable hockey achievements. Yes. Like um, the Winnipeg Victorias winning the Stanley Cup in 1896. Yeah. First team outside of Montreal. Winnipeg team winning the Allen Cup. Uh, so many great hockey players, the Hextall family and Jonathan Taves and at Belfort, so again, there had to be a lot of hockey. The one sport that I was actually trying to get in was tennis, because I'm a tennis person, I'm a tennis instructor. Were there any tennis? I don't, well, was there, there was the mention okay. of <laughs> Arthur Ashe at the Pan Am Games in 1967. Okay. Part of the Pan Am Games. There, there was that. Um, in the very first story in the book, kind of early years mm. sport in Manitoba, there was a mention of Winnipeg Lawn Tennis Club, which formed okay. in the 1880s. And also the story on Elena Miller, who is a racket sports athlete, yep. um, mainly noted for squash. She won three national squash titles, but also a top badminton and a tennis player. And Jennifer so, Saunders, of course, had a, a presence as well, obviously. Jennifer Saunders, but yeah. yeah. So I was trying to get tennis in, but uh, at least we did yeah. well, there's, get a little bit. Well, there was the golfer who was also the tennis player. And that's true, Moriel Rogers. Moriel yeah. Rogers, yeah. yeah. And that's a good point you make about hockey, because... Most provinces, cities don't enter the NHL twice, so that was an extra story too that added to that hockey total as well. Yeah, there was like the first version of the NHL Jets, yep. second version when they came back, and of course the the Jets in the WHA. Another story I wanted to ask you guys both about, I think you can both speak to this, was how difficult it was to work in the Bomber victory last year. I'm obviously breaking the drought and winning in 2019. How tough was that to work into the book given how late it was in the process? Or was it easier given that really not a lot of research was required at all because you were living through it? Yeah, we still hadn't finalized the stories yeah. at that stage. I think we're still working on the last few to add in. So, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty easy choice <laughs> to put them in. If we had completed the book and before that time, that would have made it a bit challenging. But I think we would have had to put that in somewhere um sort of the most impactful story on people's minds right now so it had to go in there somewhere and uh well and it's a nice way for the book to end right it's it's uplifting and it's really iconic after a 28 year great cup drought that they wanted so yeah it was a it was a nice ending for sure and sean did it change the narrative around previous bomber stories in the book like, would, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the other Bomber stories, had they not won last year, would those have been different? Or was no, it, I think they would have been the same. Yeah. Every story is just on its own, regardless of what happened after that. So we tried to focus the professional sports stories on the most uh, significant eras 
Um, so, for example, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the first year they won the Grey Cup, 1935, and a bit of history of how the team formed. And then the Bud Grant era, where they won four Grey Cups. And, and then the era of 1980s going into 1990, where they won three in seven years, was another stretch, and now this uh, Grey Cup. So just try to pick out the sort of the the key sort of eras of Bomber history or Jets history. So the Bomber victory was the last chapter in the book. The second last chapter, Judy, the sports media chapter mm -hmm. and the role the media played in bringing these stories to life. I imagine you were a, a big part of that part of the book. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not in it, but... <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? When you just watch the, the national news across Canada, and particularly sports... Manitoba has developed a lot of great uh, sportscasters and newspaper people, and 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 lots had big personalities like yeah. Cactus Jack and the Happy Honker yeah. and Vince Lee and Jack Matheson, who were more um, serious journalists. But they also did a lot of good outside and of their jobs. Bob Pickin involved in the Gray Owl and. Uh, yeah, a lot of them are storytellers, but there's also a little story uh, about them too, yeah. and they have impacted uh, sports in the province. So it was good that that was in the book. Yeah, and I mean, there was, there was I think, five or six mentioned in the chapter, but I mean, as you say, they could have mentioned a lot more, including yourself, right? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's still time. We can maybe get her in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to speak about the media chapter, Sean, and how you thought it, it fit in with the narrative of the book? Yeah, no, that was an important chapter. Um, and sort of the angle of that story, too, was, uh, as Judy sort of touched on, the impact they made. Like, Vince Lee formed, like, hockey leagues and soccer leagues and uh, came up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers name and Bob Pickin, um, his work in curling, you know, being, um, being a president of the Mountain Curling Association and has dedicated a lot of volunteer time uh, to curling. So we try to touch on that angle, not just how the reporters have you know, brought good coverage to the public, but they themselves have actually, you know, big contributors to growing sport in Manitoba. So yeah, originally we were thinking that was going to be maybe the last story of the book, but then yeah. the Bombers won the yeah. Grey Cup, so that was a nice way to end it. Nice yeah. cap, yeah. Okay, Sean Grassi and Judy Owen are our guests on the Sport Manitoba podcast. We'll be back with the second half of our discussion after this break. The Sport Manitoba Clinic now offers virtual appointments. Our virtual services are designed to provide the exact same service at a distance using video technology. To learn more and book an appointment, visit sportmanitoba.ca. This spring, Sport Manitoba is working together with the Sport Information Resource Centre to raise awareness about concussions. We want all of our athletes and coaches to know the signs and symptoms of a concussion so that they can be properly treated. Follow along on our social media channels at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag HeadstrongCanada. Sport Manitoba strives to make sport a safe and welcoming experience for athletes, coaches, parents, officials and volunteers across the province. If you experience any incidents of abuse, harassment or any other inappropriate conduct, please call our sport support line at 1-877-737-9875 to talk to a trained professional or visit our website for more resources. So Sean, I want to ask you too about the, the Sport Manitoba story as well. I'm just yeah. curious how, a bit of a different wrinkle, right? Kind of behind the scenes. Uh, take us through that selection, why you thought it, it fit with the book. Yeah, we wanted to include um, some stories on organizations like, say, the Manitoba High Schools Athletic Association, uh, Manitoba Sports Federation, which came before Sport Manitoba, 
and then of course the Sport Manitoba story, um, just how it sort of amalgamated from the provincial um, sport directorate department and the Manitoba Sports Federation sort of combined to form Sport Manitoba. And a big part of that story is this uh, the new building they moved into here in the Exchange District. Um, of course, having the Qualico Center and how the you know the space is open to the public and it hosted the Canada Games and just trying to show the impact uh, it's made to have a facility like this. And Judy, as someone who covered sports for more than three decades, as you have, uh, did you notice uh, a change when Sport Manitoba started in 1996 in terms of the amateur side of things? Was, did it kind of shift the landscape in your view? You know, I think there was more promotion, and, and especially um, with our Manitoba Sports Rights Sportscasters Association nominations. There are more... Um, involved in promoting their athletes they understand that it's usually the pro teams and so if newspapers are going to give up valuable space or airtime on tv that they have to think up good stories so i think sport manitoba made it more like a big organization that was kind of striving for the same thing to get more recognition Okay, let's get, oh, sorry, before, well, we're going to get to favorites in a, in a minute because I know uh, we want to talk about those. You guys probably have a few, but uh, Kids Sport, Sean, uh, mm-hmm. all the proceeds mm-hmm. from the book going to Kids Sport Manitoba and just why that's important, why you wanted that. Yeah, well, we just want to try to get more kids involved in sport. We thought it would tie in well with the book concept. Um, like someone like Desiree Scott uh, is a Kids Sport ambassador and she's an athlete featured in the book. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to maybe bring some more awareness to kids' sport, um, and hopefully sales will go well, and we can donate, uh, you know, some money to the organization. And so that that was a big part of it, not just you know telling the history of Manitoba sports, but to have it sort of lead to the next generation. So it's sort of here's the history so far of Manitoba, the future generation or our kids right now. So let's try to make an impact uh, with them. So sort of ties the history with uh, the future and, you know, try to impact uh, an organization like Kidsport. And $20.20 to go coincide yeah. with the 150th year of, of the province. That's right, yeah. So that's, okay, yeah. how much proceeds, yeah. Uh, okay, favorites. One or a few stories in particular that you were your favorite to write or research? I think we want Judy to go first here, right, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have favorites, but f- some for different reasons. And, and th- when I think about things I learned... Uh, there's educational little tidbits throughout the whole book. I didn't know that uh, John uh, Army Howard was Canada's first black Olympian. So that was something new for me. And then um, there were some real good examples of athletes' dedication and determination. John Howard, he you know, trained on a horse track. And then Gordon Audley and some other Winnipeg speed skaters, where they were training for the 1925 Olympics. Well, Gordon, he took the streetcar an hour, walked two kilometers, and they, these uh, skaters, they cleared off the snow behind the Red River, on the Red River behind Kildonan Park, and that's how they uh, practiced. And then there was um, a golfer, Merlene uh, Netterfield, when she was 17, she wanted to take golf lessons. So she rode her bike from Brooklands in the West End all the way to the Niaqua Golf Club. I mean, there's, it just shows sometimes, particularly when I looked at the early stories in the 1920s and stuff like that, 
I mean, there's not hyperbaric chambers and massage therapists and stuff. So there's all good little tidbits like that. And um, also, I liked there were stories that showed the impact Manitobans made on on the whole sports world. There's a water skier, Dr. Ian Reed. He helped um, get helmets for the uh, water skiers to wear. They started off with paratrooper helmets and then the Cooper hockey helmets, and it ended up being mandatory at all competitions. Uh, There's a blind swimmer, Tim McIsaac. Um, He and his uh, coaches, they developed a tapping stick that would tell when a swimmer had to turn at the end of the wall. That got made around all world competitions. So, and then one of my favorite ones was Five local guys invented wheelchair rugby. And they first they were going to call it murder ball, but then they thought it wouldn't be a very good name uh, for fundraising. And uh, Duncan Campbell, one of those founders, he had a wonderful nickname, Quad Father. So it gave me a little chuckle <laughs> when I read that. Um, but probably the one that made me go, ah, is that ever a nice story, was one that we talked about and kind of labeled true sportsmanship. Um, there was the Winnipeg Stellars was a basketball team, um, and they were playing the 1951 Canadian Junior Basketball Championship in St. John, New Brunswick. So they won the best of five series, three nothing. But in that game three, the St. John team kept fouling out. And um, whenever St. John had to sit a player, then um, the Stellars coach, uh, Martin Terry, he made one of the Stellar's players sit the bench. So there was an even oh, wow. number. And you know, the last two minutes of the game, each team played with two players. Wow. I mean, you would never see that happen in sports. Right. <laughs> so there's the inter- interesting stories like that that you would yeah. never come across. And uh, I liked, you know, thankfully, mm-hmm. Sean did his research and picked up on those little bits. So it's educational and it's fun and there's yeah. lots to choose from. It sounds like a lot of like a lot of athletes didn't have the resources that athletes do today, and that contributed to some of those older stories. Well, in some of the stories uh, where cities and the province uh, fundraise to send athletes to the Olympics, yeah, like people gave five dollars or ten dollars. Sean, do you want to pick up on that or get into your favorites? Yeah, her list would be pretty similar yeah. to mine, I think. But yeah, p- kind of picking up on an idea, one story we did on uh, Tommy Town, who raced in the 1920 Olympics. He was sort of from that same kind of angle where, you know, he's working full-time at a hotel, like he's a painter and decorator. And luckily, the hotel was associated with the railway, so he got, you know, some help with traveling into Winnipeg because he was living in Brandon. So these are athletes that are just... You know, trying to make ends meet, raising a family, but they're also Olympians at the same time. Um, and I was able to talk to his son, actually. I'm my way out to Calgary for Christmas break. I stopped in in Brandon and talked to him, so that was kind of neat to build, you know, him to share memories of his dad and, and that. So, yeah, some of the early Olympic stories are interesting. Um, you know, as Judy mentioned, the first black Olympian in 1912 was from uh, Winnipeg. And the first lacrosse Olympic champions from Winnipeg in 1904. The first Olympic hockey champions um, from Winnipeg, 1920. So those were interesting. I didn't know that teams played with seven players on the ice, but that was common um, in that era for hockey. Um, yeah, some of the more recent stories, like John Montgomery is an interesting story. Um, 
But there's a little tidbit about him, about the turtle. Now, yeah. see, that's something, I mean, we all know about him hoisting the, you know, pitcher of beer, right. but there's a, a story about it. Yeah, turtle. so he had a, I guess, like a turtle symbol on the side of his helmet, which he wore, and yeah, they had some session, um, you know, the, the skeleton team before the Olympics with a coach on, you know, trying to find a spirit animal, maybe to, like, motivate them or give them inspiration, and he was on the road with his wife, and they were, came across a turtle, and were about to you know, run over the turtle, and then they, they stopped the car and got off and, you know, shoot the turtle off the side of the road, and wow. that was on that same day they were trying to find their spirit animals, so, yeah, he just said the turtle was on his mind, so he decided to embrace it, and... Um, and you wouldn't think, yeah. he said that you wouldn't think he would choose a turtle with someone who goes 100 kilometers <laughs> an hour headfirst down a track. Yeah. It's funny because we uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. I had him on the podcast, and he never mentioned the turtle. He had a lot of other interesting stories, but yeah, <laughs> yeah more recent Olympian going back. To, you know, we said the early years, these athletes were working full time, didn't have the resources, you know, but still went on to become like Canadian champions. Uh, more recent one would be Michelle Stillwell, um, yep. you know, from Winnipeg, but then moved to BC and was uh, MLA and cabinet minister um, for the BC government. Well, she was training for the 2006 Paralympics, which would have been her fourth, uh, first one in wheelchair basketball and three in wheelchair racing. And there she was just basically training in her office. She'd be on her rollers, which she'd be able to you know, move her uh, stationary wheelchair. And someone would read you know, the briefing notes to her while she'd be training, stuff like that. So she would kind of do whatever she could to you know, achieve her goal. And yeah, for sure, yeah. I want to flip the coin here a little bit. Was there one story that was left out that uh, you feel a little uneasy about, Sean? No, because there's so many good athletes that we could have put in. Although I tried to put in a couple athletes that that we did leave. I would say Charlie Gardner was a top uh, goaltender of the Chicago Blackhawks, won the Stanley Cup. And then shortly thereafter, died of a brain hemorrhage, which is a pretty big story across North America. Of course, we had so many good hockey stories, we couldn't put them all in, so there's no separate story on him, but I was able to tie him into another hockey story of a, you know, a, a teammate that played with Gardner, so I was able to okay, get him in. Another early years athlete, um, Jack McCullough, was actually a world speed skating champion, I think it was 1896, and also was a top hockey player. So there's no story on him, although he was a notable athlete, he was in the Canada Sports Hall of Fame. But I was able to kind of tie him into the um, Winnipeg Victoria's hockey story, the team he played on. So any sort of athlete I thought maybe should have been in the book, I was able to kind of at least slide them into another story so we can at least sort of mention their uh, achievements. Judy, what about you? Anything that stands out that didn't make it in? That seems so <laughs> long ago. I can't, I can't think of any. N- none uh, come off the top of my head. I, I think yeah. because... You know, it's 150 iconic, but it depends on what your definition of iconic is. So I think each of these 150 stories are deserving in, in for, for different levels. When you look back at the finished product, and both of you maybe touched on this a little bit already, but did you gain any new insight on sport in Manitoba as a whole or more success in particular sports or misconceptions that you had? Anything like that? Yeah, I found a sport like speed skating interesting. Um, you know, we sort of know about 
you know, Cindy Clausen, Clara Hughes, uh, Susan Ock, but there were a lot of top female speed skaters before their time. Like, there were a number of years there where the Canada's female speed skating team at the Olympics was almost exclusively Manitobans. I think yeah. one or two times, about five Manitoba female speed skaters, that was the entire Olympic team. So kind of starting from the 1960s onwards, it's always been top female speed skaters um, from Manitoba. So that was one thing I learned. Um, yeah, other sports too, like we've had, you know, a couple of Canadian champion water skiers, you know, which I didn't know of, or uh, two world handball champions. So yeah, I learned a lot of stories that I wasn't, you know, as familiar with and, and probably the general public isn't as familiar with, and that was sort of a big um, goal of the book, too, sort of bring those stories to light. And Judy, any new insight for you overall? Well, I, I'm kind of surprised in a province that's, that's, you know, we think of as being great at winter sports, how many track and field athletes okay. we included, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, Rabina higgins Hate, uh, one uh, in, in Javelin, yeah. um, and then there was... Uh, Joe Keeper, an indigenous runner. Uh, there was a, quite a few sprinters and runners in the, in the book that I, I had never heard their names before. So I was kind of surprised about that track and field. Yeah, yeah the first part of the book, um, athletics would be winning the sport with the most you know, stories, probably that, and maybe hockey would be the... Yeah. And curling, but athletics definitely high on the list for the early years. Goals for the book. What do you hope readers take away from it? Yeah, hopefully they're just, you know, able to gain the same kind of insight that myself and Judy did, you know, writing and editing this book. You'll learn so much about Manitoba sports history. And it'll be neat to see all the stories together. Um, you know, as I mentioned, there's been a lot written about certain athletes or certain teams, but then to see their stories, you know, professional stories together with amateur stories and sort of bringing it all together. It's just to give people on sort of a good overall sense of Manitoba sports history would be a goal. And then, of course, to raise money for kids' sport. Well, I'd like to raise a lot of money and not have a lot of phone calls saying, that's wrong, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, there's going to be debate, no matter whatever kind of list you do on, on athletes. But I, I hope people take away that this is an important record of Manitoba's history in sports. And, and these people shouldn't be forgotten because... If you look at the era they did their things in, some achieved such greatness in the whole world, right? And so Manitobans should be proud when they look at these stories and uh, don't forget them and learn something new about, you know, the ones that came before the popular people these days that we know a lot about. You know, and you said you hope there's not too much debate and people calling and that type of thing. And you did have some public input. Yeah. Was there family members and friends of athletes and teams who, who reached out? through that? I mean, people always want to get their people, you know, into these conversations, right? Did you have any of that? Um, I think in a couple of cases yeah. we did. Um, well, one story that Tommy Town, which I mentioned, uh, his granddaughter put in a submission, but I think we were going to do that story anyway, but. And Tommy yeah. Town, he's the, he's the runner from Brandon. Yeah. And the funny little, little bit in, in that story about him is Brandon was so proud after, I forget now, Sean, how he finished. 
Yeah, like they were about to throw a big party for him and Brandon. He was very yeah. humble, so he got off the train yeah. before Brandon. He didn't want this oh, you know, yeah, so big they couldn't party get. for him. And stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't remember how he finished in his race. Yeah. but uh, So it's funny he gets off the train. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully the book will kind of spark some debate, too, yeah. on which stories you know, should have been included that mm -hmm. weren't, or why is that story in there? So what's a good sort of healthy debate? Um, and it's not meant to be a ranking, right, which is no, important to mention no, as yeah. well as not the top 150 stories of all time in some sort of ranking order. It's just we want to give a broad-based collection of stories told chronologically. But raise money is important. And you know, the book is partly funded by the Canada Games Legacy Fund too. So it's kind of interesting that that big sporting event is helping to fund something that's gonna help the, the young kids moving up. So, and 2020, who hasn't got 20 bucks? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a 400 page yeah. book. So uh, $20 and 20 cents is actually uh, very, very affordable. Before we wrap up, anything else either of you want to add on the book or, or in terms of what's next in the process here in the next few months? Yeah, right now we're kind of at the very final stages of uh, editing the final proof here. So we should have it to print um, by the end of the month and have it out sometime this summer. So, yeah, we're just looking forward to seeing it, uh, the final product. And, you know, with, without you know, the professional sports happening right now, this will be sort of a good time for people to reflect on Manitoba sports history. And um, It's also going to be um, by an e-book, too. So that's going right. to be a great way to support it, too, if you can't, you know, physically get your hands on it. But it's going to be worth, worth it if you get the printed copy. Well, I know I'm looking forward to reading it. I know a lot of people in our building probably are as well. So Judy and Sean, thanks so much for coming okay. on to talk about it. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks again to Sean Grassi and Judy Owen for looking back on the top sports moments in our province's history. Again, the book is called Iconic Stories from 150 Years of Sport in Manitoba. It will be available later this summer. And all of the proceeds from the book will go towards Kidsport Manitoba to get more kids off the sidelines and into the game. If you like this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. All 18 episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media, at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, whether it's an athlete coach or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Stay healthy, stay safe, and look for our next episode in June. I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.